Today is actually the anniversary of the day I went in. <laughs> and so the, in, the, the center where you went in was open on Veterans Day. <laughs> and uh, I've, it was, it's the anniversary, 41st anniversary of when I went in the Army, which makes me 39. So, <laughs> yeah, so 29. Oh, plenty nine. I like my math better. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to read some passages for you that uh, just reinforce the message I think we get out of Revelation chapter 7. Uh, at least I see it that way. And, and then we're going to go to the passage that we're looking at. So first, Matthew 16, verses 24 through uh, 27. And then I'm going to move on to uh, John 16, 31 to 33, and then Romans 8, 31 to 39. I could have hit many more, but you're going to get the, get the point through here. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in, ex- in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Uh, and and uh, that's Matthew 26, 24 to 27. Uh, John chapter 16, verses 31 to 33. At least part of this will be very familiar. John 16, 31 through 33. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Then Romans 8, 31 to 39. As I was doing this, I just kept thinking, oh, and then there's this passage, and then there's this one, but I limited it. Limited it. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is Who is it who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have uh, all these passages. Each, Each one has a very consistent message. God gives us victory even when we look defeated. In the midst of our looking defeated, he gives us victory. Uh, I think each one of them explain the purpose of Revelation 7. And, and, and just to get a context, in Revelation chapter 6, Jesus has been opening the seals. 
And with each seal, a new disaster unfolds. And so we had the first seal was the white horse. That's the Antichrist. The second seal, war. The third seal, uh, famine and pestilence. The fourth seal, death. The, the fifth seal, uh, the angels cry out from under the altar. How long, O Lord? The sixth seal, uh, earthquakes and famines and plagues and people crying and hiding in rocks and caves saying, saying uh, fall on us, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. And that ends chapter 6. And you don't see the seventh seal broken till chapter 8. And in between the two, you have chapter 7, and there's a hush. There's a stillness. After this, chapter 7, verse 1, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the, of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called upon a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do no harm to the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And so in the midst of utter disaster and catastrophe and chaos, God calls peace. And he's got something to say. And and in the middle of this, God brings calmness and shows victory for his people. And it's an important message when we're going through trial. And and, and again, I I just want to repeat, you guys are going to get tired of me saying this. Revelation is written telling us about future things, but it is for us now. And the message that just screams out of this silence is victory in our struggles. The struggles do not mean, and, and losing struggles as far as how everything looks here on this planet does not mean we have not gained victory eternally where it truly matters. On earth, things will look very dim, but in heaven we see the true state of affairs that they are good. Those who lose everything for Christ are eternal winners. Okay, so, so verses 1 through 8, uh, the 144,000. So we talked about sealing the foreheads. That was verse 3. I'm going to pick up on verse 4. And I heard the number of, that were of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And, and I like the fact that he didn't count 144,000. He didn't see 144,000. He heard 144,000. God said, or an angel said, someone said, there's 144,000. I mean, I, I don't know about you, and he told me how many boxes are here, and I heard the number. <laughs> and, and I thought, I could double check, but it's a pain to count things like that. It's hard enough to count boxes stacked. I hate counting moving things. Anybody ever tried to count calves? You know, it's like Dan Anderson, he says, I just count the legs and divide by four. And I thought, you. <laughs> Doesn't help. By the way, this is totally unrelated. Lost and found, there's a, a little Leatherman pocket knife here that was in Lost and Found. Somebody lost it. I found it. Can't send it with Operation Christmas Child. They don't want knives. So uh, if that's yours, come claim it. Uh, Not because you want it to be yours, but because it is yours. Okay. Uh, So first we have the hush. And, And I don't think there's an actual pause in the action on earth. You know, I don't think that, that all this catastrophe is going on and then a great calm falls over the earth for a period of time. Maybe it does. I mean, we are working with my best guess here on what is being said here, but, but we're, taking, and we're taking a look at things from another perspective, and, and from John's perspective as the watcher, there's this hush. But I don't think on earth there is a hush. I don't think it's a pause in the action. I think things are going 
quickly from wor- bad to worse on earth as this is going on. Uh, I think that the war, the famine, the pestilence, and death are still going on. I think people are still hiding from God in rocks and caves. But in the middle of that, we find the calmness in God's presence. God is not rattled. God is not hurriedly trying to put pieces into place and hope he can catch up or keep up. God is not struggling to do this. Uh, we, we find calmness in his presence, and in the, in, the, in the middle of all this, there is an island of calmness, uh, the island of victory in a sea of trouble with God. And he says, don't harm the earth and the sea until God has marked his servants, and things are going to get worse. You know, we have looked at the first six seals, Well, what's going to happen with the seventh seal is it's going to unleash seven trumpets. And those seven trumpets are going to bring fire from heaven. They're going to bring uh, a star called Wormwood that's going to fall on the waters. The waters are going to be bad. The the air is going to be bad. The the land is going to suffer from sulfur and fire falling out out of the sky. God says, don't let that happen yet until I have marked my servants on their forehead. Uh, we, we, we find that, that things are going to get worse, uh, but he says, don't let them get worse until we do this. Uh, the, those things will not happen until God has prepared his people. And he's not flustered, and he's not hurried. He is in control, and things are going according to plan. Okay, so who are these 144,000? And, and it's kind of funny what reading, you know, when, when you read things, you, you read people who are trying to work around what they clearly mean. Uh, because I'll, I'll just be up front, uh, the, these 144,000 uh, are Jewish believers in Christ. And I'll come back and I'll explain that. Uh, we find these guys in two different places. We find them here in Revelation 7. We find them again in Revelation 14. That's the two places we find these people. Okay, in Revelation 7, we find who they are physically, right? What does it say? And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 were from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000, blah, 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 blah. All the tribes, except one, we'll come back to that, were sealed. Okay, so, so, uh, uh, it just it, Who are these people? Well, they're Jews. Physically, these are Jews. We have the physical description of who these 144,000 are. In Revelation 14, we find a more spiritual description of who the 144,000 are. Okay? Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Well, there's two names written on their foreheads, the father's son and the, the father's name and the son's name. Why do I say they are Jewish believers in Christ? They're Jewish because he said they're from the 12 tribes of Israel, and they're believers in Christ because they have the son's name on their forehead as well as the father's. Okay, these are Jewish believers in Christ. We find the spiritual description. It goes on. It says, And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who have followed the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb, and in their mouth no lie was found, for they were blameless. So in Revelation uh, 14, we find that they bear the mark of both the Father and the Son, that they have kept themselves pure. 
In chapter 7, they appear to be on the earth. They're, they're being marked. The 144,000 are being marked. But in chapter 14, 4, they're described as having been redeemed uh, from the earth. Uh, it says, uh, let me read it again. It is these who have defiled, uh, not defiled themselves uh, with women because women have cooties. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind, seeming to imply that by this point they have died and been redeemed from the earth. Maybe not. I could be misreading that. Maybe they're still on the earth. Uh, I don't know for sure, but that's what it sounds like to me. What do they do? What do these 144,000 people do? Well, I've just read everything it tells us about them. It doesn't say what they do. (laughs) What do they do? They get sealed and then they just sit around waiting? I mean, it doesn't say. Most people uh, take this and look and they say, uh, I mean, we know one thing they do that no one else does. In 14.3 it says they sing a new song no one else could sing. So, Canute, unless you're one of them, you don't get to sing that song uh, and you don't get to lead it. Or if you do lead it, you're going to be singing and the rest of us are just going to sit and listen <laughs> because only the 144,000, verse 14, it says, or 4, it says it keeps himself pure. But other than that, it doesn't say. Most people call them evangelists or witnesses. The 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the 144,000 witnesses, not Jehovah's Witnesses, they've got it all screwed up, uh, but... Uh, 144,000, and, and, and uh, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's like, what else would they be doing? They're, they're somehow or another serving Christ, being faithful and serving to him. Evangelist makes a good guess. It seems like the most likely answer. There's 12,000 from each of 12 tribes. Okay, it's an unusual listing of the tribes, but if you go through uh, Scripture and you find all the listings of the 12 tribes of Israel, one thing you find is that there's not a lot of consistency between the different tribes that are named. And, And there's reasons for that, because Levi is the priestly tribe, and so they don't get a division of land. Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so God took him and and said, I'm going to give each of your sons a fair inheritance. So normally Joseph is not listed, but Manasseh and Ephraim are. And so once again, you have 12 tribes listed, even though Levi isn't listed. In this list, Manasseh is named, Ephraim isn't, but Joseph is. Daniel is not listed at all, but Levi is in there. And you go, oh, why? <laughs> and the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's like you can read and people can come up with different answers, but then you go, but why isn't it consistent? And they'll have different explanations. And you go, but the, why doesn't that explanation work here? Bottom line is, I don't know. You know, it's like I'm sure there's a reason. I am not deep enough to figure out, and I am not. Uh, rash enough to say here's the right answer uh you know it's just it's just a matter of of, i don't know it's it's kind of i'm you know your pastor is comfortable sometimes saying i don't know i don't feel like i have to know everything uh so why are they mentioned at all i mean if 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 they're just going to confuse us like this why are they mentioned at all and i think that's important i think it shows us that god is in control God is not flustered. He is, it, it shows us God is in control. You know another thing it shows us? During the tribulation time, it shows us Jews serving God. Jews serving Christ during this, this tribulation time. I think that's an important thing for us to recognize. It shows us that even though God is bringing judgment on the earth, He is still working to save people. It's such an important truth that while we still draw breath, we can still come to Christ. 
And, and, and I think it gives us that message. These people are out there serving Christ on his behalf, serving the world uh, by serving Christ, serving Christ by serving the world. And uh, he is still working to save the lost. And these 144,000 are important. As much as we don't know about them and what they're doing and, and all these things, uh, we know they are important and they show God is in control and working during even this tribulation time. Okay. Now, now, some people have tried to take this 144,000 and say, well, they represent the church, and they, they do this, and you kind of go, well, that doesn't make much sense. It would be a reasonable answer, conclusion, possibly, if we don't find the great multitude very, right next. <laughs> because the great multitude right next is, is God's people. Okay, I'm going to read this entire section, verses 9 through the end of the chapter. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Matthew 28, 18-20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, or make, yeah, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. That was Jesus' commission when he left. And now what are we finding? We find people from all nations in heaven. The job has been accomplished. Uh, and, and these people are there. From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around uh, the the four living the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Powerful. And then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these? I'm going, Why are you asking me? It's just, it's just, who are these clothed in white robes and from whom they come? I said to him, sir, you know. <laughs> I, I, you got to put the right inflection you know, with that. You know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Um, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, this, this passage tells us a, a lot of things. For one thing, it tells us there will be huge numbers of believers during the tribulation. Right. If, if there's if there's if there's pre-trib rap, rapture, then lots of people. You know, if 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 all of a sudden everybody in this room disappears, you, me, and three other people are left in here. Do you now believe? Right. I'm going to look at you and say, I thought I was going with them. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> and you'll say, liar. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, and, and all of a sudden, we're going to be believers. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing us not be believers at that point. Uh, because, and, and there's going to be tons of believers, one way or the other, during the tribulation time. 
Okay, that, that's, that's one thing that it tells us. It tells us that even in the first half of the tribulation, if I read this rightly, and that's where we are at this point, where we, we get the seventh seal uh, undone, and, and, uh, and that's where we are in, in the tribulation time-wise, that even by the end of the first half of the tribulation, there will be an innumerable amount of martyrs for Christ, a huge number of Christians martyred for their faith, even in the first half. And the first half is the milder half of this thing. Because, because he finds them before the throne, and, and when it says, says, where are they from? He says, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. In John 16, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. That's a promise he makes to everybody. But there's a distinction between tribulation and the tribulation. Between tribulation and what we call the great tribulation. And there's only one of those. It's like there are many antichrists, but there is one antichrist. You know, we've looked at that one a few chapters ago. And, and, and what we find is there is the one that gets the the you know, uh, and these are the ones that have come out of the great tribulation. These have been these have been martyred during this period of time. Okay, so so we find that even during this time we will have martyrs. These martyrs have been given a place of honor that is impressive when we look because when they cry out before the throne, the angels and the elders and the four living creatures fall before the throne in worship. Right, Revelation chapter four. We find people falling before the throne in worship. Look at what happens in Revelation 4, verses 9 through 11. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their thrones before the throne and they call out, Worthy are you. And what we find is when the, when the, when the four living creatures cry out, the, the elders fall down in worship, right? In chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And we find the elders falling down in worship. Now look what happens when the martyrs Call out praise to God. And all the angels, this is verse 11 of chapter 7, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and honor. Uh, I'm sorry, I just start at verse 10, they're talking about the martyrs crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, and everybody falls down. Right before we found the elders falling down, we find the elders falling down. Now we find the angels and the elders and the and uh, the multitudes and everybody's falling down be- before the throne. When the martyrs cry out praise to God, that everybody falls. What what does it mean when innumerable martyrs from every nation, people, tribe, and language say salvation belongs to our God? And you know what is? They are the living proof of what they said. And they are the living proof that he does what he says he does. Everything that Jesus came to do, by who they are and where they are and what they say, they prove the statement of, of the worth and the glory that he deserves. And everybody seeing that falls down in worship. The angels fall down in worship. The, the elders fall down in worship. The four living creatures fall down in worship. How do you not fall down in worship before Christ when that happens? 
And the, these, these martyrs are absolute proof of that. Everything Jesus set out to do, he has accomplished. How great is the praise and how powerful is the emotion. When those who trusted him and proven him with their very lives give praise in heaven. No wonder heaven itself falls down to praise him. And their reward is great. Verses 13 through 17. Well, I'll, I'll skip down to uh, verse 15. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike hit them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They will serve him in his temple and be sheltered in his presence. And you go, well, serving doesn't sound like that great of a reward. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, couldn't I be served? <laughs> doesn't that sound like more fun? But you know what these people have done? They have served him on earth where they did not even see him. They have served him completely and utterly to the very end of their lives, not even seeing him. Now they get to serve him in his presence. Wow. That is, that is a reward. And, and, and the, the, they were hunted, and they were persecuted, and they were killed. And now they live in the shelter of his presence. What we find here is everything in heaven is the opposite. Everything, the blessings in heaven are the opposite of the, the troubles they had on earth. And, and it's so big. So big that they had suffered hunger and thirst, they'll be hungry and thirsty no more. They had been exposed, the sun shall not strike them. They had sought refuge, he will be their shepherd. They had wept, he will wash away every tear. And if this is symbolic, it is saying every need will be removed. Every suffering will be recompensed. And I tend to believe this is only the beginning of the rewards to come. You know, our, our rewards will not be eternal sitting around handing someone a glass of water when they're thirsty or whatever serving in the temple means. Uh, this, is, this is symbolic of so much more. Why is this message here? Because where this message is, is is hugely important because we're going to jump into chapter 8 and we're going to jump right back into the, the disaster chaos Thing. You know, this is intermission almost. Uh, and, and why is this message here? Well, it's here so that we will know the true state of affairs. We will know what is really going on because what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears, what we feel with our bodies is not the whole story. It is, it is this side of the story. It is just this part. These things, these things that we're talking about here, this victory, will not be evident on earth. What will be evident on earth is us losing is us being martyred, is us being. All those things we read about in, in, in Romans chapter 8, all those things, he wrote about those things because he's been through all those things. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Because if we are here, whoever is here, the followers of Christ who are here, will experience these things. 
They will, it, it's going to look, we, God's people, you know, we, whether we're here or not is irrelevant, we who make up God's people will look like losers to absolutely everybody else. Look like we're losers. We want to hang on to Revelation 7 and say, this is, this is just the shadow. The reality is yet to come. Uh, the, the reality is going to happen. On earth, they will be perse- believers in Christ will be persecuted for their faith, pursued, harassed, treated badly. They will be martyred. They will lose if we look only with worldly eyes, if we look only with eyes that see what happens here. And that's the problem with the world, is it cannot see beyond itself and doesn't recognize everything here dies anyway. We must see beyond here. This is written for the benefit of Christians of all times. Of all times. This is written because on earth today, believers in Christ are being persecuted for their faith. Last week was, was uh, the persecuted church, prayer, prayer for the persecuted church Sunday, right? And, and uh, Lori was talking about some of the things that are going on in uh, China, in Pakistan, she talked about, right? Today, believers are being persecuted for their faith pursued, harassed, and treated badly. Today, Christians are being martyred on planet Earth. If we look with the eyes of flesh, they are losing in much of the world, though we in America have these privileges. This message is for us today. It's for us today. Faithfulness overcomes the world. It may not look like victory here, but it is victory that matters for all eternity. Hang on to that. Hang on to that when you are the person in trouble, when you are the person being persecuted, when you are the, are the person who sees yourself losing and it looks like you're losing to, to the people around you. Hang on to that truth because the victory is yours and it's real and it's sure. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this message of victory. And, and Lord, in this world where so much bad does go on, where bad things happen to good people, where, where sometimes we can't explain what is going on or why. Lord, in this world, we know that faith is the victory, and you are the victorious one. And I, I ask for each one of us to have that faith that lives out and demonstrates itself to be true and real. I ask your blessing on each one of us for courage and faith and confidence. In Jesus' name, amen.